I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am good. How about you? I'm great. Good. It is a beautiful day here in North Carolina. It is beautiful here as well, but we are hitting that... Our, our, you know, I've talked about this last week, but the fall weather. So la- I woke up this morning to like, it was like 60 degrees and it's supposed to be in the middle of the day, like it'll be like 87, 88 here. Ugh. That's what I hate because I have to literally put on two, like I have to change clothes in the middle of the day. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like that here too. Like this morning it was 40, but the high is 71. Oh, so Yeah. That 30-degree swing. Whew. Yeah, so, like, in the morning, you have jeans and socks and a hoodie and a light coat, and then by lunchtime, you're in, like, a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, see, I kind of like – I'm waiting for it to be the weather where – and this is beautiful to me. I love this. But I'm waiting for it to be, like – I mean, I guess it kind of is 70 all day where I could wake up in the morning with my hoodie and just wear my hoodie all day long. Yeah, I love a good pair of sweats and a hoodie. So I so it's crazy that I live here, but um, I can't wait till it gets to that like January. Oh, January is amazing. Yeah, you guys get it there for like two months, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just hoodie sweatshirt. There's, that's it. There's nothing more to it. And, um, I still do not own a coat, like a coat. I just don't have one. Um, even like a zip up anything. Cause I just throw on a sweater. Right. That you just sense. wear an extra hoodie or something. Put long, yeah. sl- put on a t-shirt, a long sleeve shirt, and then a hoodie. Yep. <laughs> and that's it. Then I don't need anything else. So, but yeah, so all right, so this week, we, last week we went, last couple of weeks we went over low self-esteem patterns, and those are not, those will be out by the, obviously by the time this one comes out, um, but this week we're going to talk about compliance patterns. I just have to say, these are, like, since I found out what actual codependency is, and the very first time I read these patterns, all of them, the compliance patterns like you said that low self-esteem was the one that you always like that was your pattern Mm -hmm. compliance patterns are mine all right i am the best fawner in the world (laughs) (laughs) well then why don't you start us off all right so the first one is codependents often are extremely loyal remaining in harmful situations too long well, even even though low self esteem patterns were my are my thing, yeah, this one's right up there with those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I look at my life and the course of my life, in every single harmful situation that I was in, I stayed too long. 
Um, it took probably 15 years for me to finally confront Nick on his alcoholism and really mean what I said with it. Like, right, I will not be around that harmful situation. It took me 15 years. It took me 10 years to realize when my oldest children's father was not healthy. Um, and I remained in that harmful situation for a good 10 years longer than I should have. Uh, really, when I look back at my life, I have spent the majority of it remaining in harmful situations, attempting to convince the situation not to be harmful. So for me, like all my relationships, and really this where I see this is in my relationships. Um, and jobs too. <laughs> I guess if I'm going to say relationships, it'll be like everything. Yeah, when I said relationships, I meant like my parents, my jobs, my significant other relationships. Yeah. Yeah. My first husband, I did not do this with. Um, we... We were married seven years. Um, when we decided to split, it was four months before the divorce was final. It was just very easy, quick, to the point. Um, however, my second husband was a whole different thing. That one I stayed in. I just stayed in way, way too long. Not that he was it wasn't like he wasn't a bad person he's not a bad person it was just I wasn't happy but I did not like there was thoughts in my head that like I can't leave if I oh like what's he gonna do if I leave because I have always been was in that relationship was the primary breadwinner and he never really kept a steady job so I knew that I would be okay with the boys taking the boys wherever whatever I needed to do but I kept he wouldn't have been and I, I say that loosely knowing now with my, where my recoveries you know that that is not true statement but that's the way I did think like oh you know he's gonna be you know where, where's he gonna go he's gonna this and so I would just I would kind of talk myself out of it um and that or then it would be you know, oh, if I leave, then, you know, the boys aren't going to get to see him, and where, it was, it was these really distorted thinking, but the I, problem, I did that too, did you? I did, yep, yeah, and I think, again, the situation wasn't physically harmful, right, that's not what, that I, you know, nowhere in here does it saying that, it's just remaining in harmful situations too long. Right, ha it doesn't say remaining in abusive situations right. too long, it says harmful, that means not good, not supportive, not loving, not compassionate, not kind, if it is not good, and it's not just there, then it is harmful. So who can decide if what, what harmful is? Only us. Only I can decide what is harmful for me. Only you can decide what is harmful for you. So what we, you and I could have different opinion where I would be like, 
Ashley, why are you staying? You deserve so much more. But you're like, right? Okay. Absolutely. I mean, there's many people like, so there's, let's just take, I don't know. Um, I, I, gosh, I don't even know. There's, oh, well, let's take gay people versus straight people. There's plenty of straight people in this world that would not be in a gay relationship. A gay relationship would be harmful to a person who is not attracted to people of the same gender. Okay. But to a gay person, a gay relationship is not harmful. To a gay person, if a gay person was trying to be in a relationship with a straight person, it doesn't matter if that straight person is the kindest person in the world. If the gay person is not being true to themselves and is not acknowledging how they feel and what they need and they are in a relationship with a straight person, that relationship can be harmful to them. It doesn't matter if the other person is not doing anything quote-unquote wrong or bad. It's not about, oh, this is a good person or this is a bad person. It's about if this situation, relationship, conversation, whatever, is harmful to me. So whatever I feel is compromising my thoughts, opinions, values, is only... Harmful. It's harmful, right, and and it's only determined by me. So I look at a, I look at a, you know, one of my jobs in the past where the company was, I was the controller for the company. So I was responsible for, for payroll and paying all the bills and taking, in, you know, um, you know, accounts payable, accounts receivable and managing all of that. Um, but the owner of the company was doing all the bit, um, taking all the bids and he would undercut to get to get guarantee the work problem with that was then we might not we might just barely have enough to scrape by in the job and a lot of times because there was no true accountability and the way he the guy was was they wanted something extra done. Okay, yeah, we'll go. we got it. We'll take care of it. But that stuff costs, and he wouldn't take. He would not modify the 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 price for it, unless it was a significant difference. So what, where that what became of it for me was, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to pay payroll, pay to how to pay the 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 vendors, um, right, saying robbing Peter to pay Paul because we'd overspent on over budget on another job and so then I had to take from that job to pay to pay for the next job and then that job had to pay for the next you know it was just this constant just being short and we were extended and I for for him that wasn't harmful at all right for him he was doing the day-to-day and he was just he didn't worry about the money that was not a harmful situation in his mind no but But when you when I'm watching myself or when I'm trying to figure out how to pay my own payroll there's nothing more stressful than that 
because there was many weeks that I didn't know how we were going to pay it. Which means you would go to bed wondering if you were going to get paid, if, if there would be enough money in the account to actually pay your personal yes. bills. Right? So for you, that was a very harmful situation, mm-hmm. and you remained. And I remained. Exactly. But and- for him and for his clients, that was not harmful at all. No. So that goes to show, right, exactly what we were saying. It is only up to me, you, right? If this situation is harmful to me, only I can determine that. And the other person may be like, you're crazy. This isn't bad. This is amazing. And that's because for them, it is. And it's funny because when I I started looking for another job and one of my coworkers are – got a got a call that they did reference check and they told him and uh he came into my office and sat down and was just talking and he's like so how'd your interview interview go this morning and I was like what he's like yeah how was your interview and he's like you can um this will be your last like finish up today and then you're done wow I was like, well, I'm not going to finish up today. I turned around, grabbed my bag, grabbed my couple of stuff, and got up and walked out. Because I'm like, no. Because that would have just put myself even into a more harmful situation. Because what? I'm going to sit. And that could have put him in a harmful situation. Why would you let the controller of your company, who has all control over all the finances, who has had extensive conversations with all your clients... You're really going to let that person stay? So it sounds to me like as soon as you realized what was going on and you accepted it and and realized, mm-hmm. you then did the in recovery side of this, which is I am committed to my safety and leave situations that feel unsafe or are inconsistent with my goals. I love that. And I don't know why that has not stuck out to me until today. Literally just now. Like, as I'm reading this, literally just now, that last part, I am committed to my safety and leave situations that are inconsistent with my goals. That's really, really powerful. I have to say, Dawn, I don't do that. I don't either. Okay, I no, 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 I can't say that. I have, I am working hard to be better at that. That's what I'll say. I am committed to my safety. I do leave situations that feel unsafe. However, this is the first time I am looking at situations and my goals and trying to determine if these situations are inconsistent with my goals or not. Like, like when I look at situations in my life over the course of the last 39 years, I can say I have looked at whether or not they felt unsafe. I can say whether or not I was committed to my safety. But when I look back right up to this very moment as we sit here speaking, I have not ever evaluated whether or not a situation was consistent with my goals. So I think one of the first things that has to happen, though, to be able to 
identify if something is consistent or inconsistent with goals is you have to have goals. Well, and right, I've always had goals. Yep. But they've been things like buy a house by this age, pay off the house by this age, have this type of job, make this amount of money. And yes, I have left situations that weren't consistent with those goals, right? I get a better job, I buy a different house, I move to a new location. But when I think on a personal level, is this relationship with my mother consistent with my goals? Is this relationship with my boss consistent with my goals? Is this relationship with my spouse or my boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever consistent with my goals? So what, I, what would be a, an example of a goal with your mother or a goal with your spouse or your children? Or So uh, a goal with my life is that it is an addiction-free life. I do not want to live in a home and I have this has been a goal of mine I remember when I was 16 years old and I met my ex-husband one of my rules were I will not live with anyone who has who is addicted abusive or has affairs the three A's was what I called it um and for a long time, I just let go of that, right? Alcoholism is an addiction. We all know on this podcast and these pe- whoever's listening to this, we all know for a very long time, I, was, I, was, I am with Nick, and for a very long time, he was in active alcoholism. Um, for a very long time, I did not even consider whether that situation was consistent with my goal. I simply considered that I love this man and he was doing this and I needed to be supportive in the best ways I could. Now, for the very first time in my life, I am actually considering whether I want to be in a situation with someone who is an alcoholic. And is not doing the things that they need to to be in recovery, right? Being sober is one thing. Drinking is one thing. Being in recovery is another thing. Um, And I'm not saying I don't want that relationship. I'm not saying that relationship is bad. I'm not saying Nick is drinking. I am saying that I am actually considering that goal and considering if that situation is consistent with that goal or not for the very first time I've never explored that before so I'm excuse me one of the things for me with relationships going forward right is because I think I have to know what my goals are for relationships like right I'm not dating I'm not in a relationship um Well, and not only that, but, like, I think we also have to explore if those goals are minimal or if those goals are what I really think I deserve, right? Right, right. So I have a, one of the things I think is really important when you are starting to 
and I, this is important in any aspect of life, but I'm going to use from my perspective right now of when I go out, decide to start dating again. I have made a list of what I call deal breakers. Those deal breakers are inconsistent with my goals. And I think that is important because I have never done that before. Like usually what I would do is if I would go into a relationship would be, oh, did they like me? Okay, check. Right. That was all my, that's all I ever considered before is whether or not they wanted to be with me. Yep. If they want to be with me, perfect. That's all I need. And then we'll get into the relationship and from there we'll decide who's going to change what to make it fit. Yep. Exactly. Instead of coming at it from a place of, okay, my goal is to live in a loving, supportive home that CODA takes up a lot of space. And so the person that I put into my life has to respect what is important to me. So in other words, that's CODA four nights a week. So you're jumping to the next characteristic. Oh, I am, aren't I? Right. So codependents often compromise their own values and integrity to avoid rejection or anger. And in recovery, I am rooted in my own values, even if others don't agree or become angry. So finish what you were saying now about what you require, because I think that's the in recovery portion, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I... I'm not giving this up, right? I'm not giving up something that gave me my life back. Why would I even consider doing that? So I'm, I need to be able to ask my, a partner, someone that I'm considering being a partner, let me word it, word it that way, how you feel about I'm not available X number of days a week. If they don't like that or they have a problem with that, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's nothing wrong with me either. It just means, okay, this isn't quite a fit. Because that means that's inconsistent to my goals. And I am not going to jeopardize my own values. You're jumping if, into the next one too. <laughs> it's crazy how this works. Keep going. Sorry. We'll no, the you're next good. One when you're done. You're good. I'm not going to dismiss what is important to me because somebody else doesn't like it. My and codependents often put aside their own interests in order to do what others want. I, the, my partner, when I find my partner, they're going to know that I need to be in CODA. They're going to know that this has saved my life because I'm going to share that with them. Not the details of what I talk about or, you know, I, right. We're talking meeting a partner for the, you know, early, early in the relationship. They don't need to know the depths of my, of my shit. Right. But right. But they're going to know what is important to you, what your values are, what your interests are, and that you are committed to being having those things in your lives and if 
you are unsafe or those things are inconsistent with what you want, then you will leave. Right. I shared a story last week about um, the whole turmoil thing I was going through. Um, and where I kind of like I was trying to keep Friday nights available because free not available because I really needed that space for me and I so I gave up going out with friends um that is what I feel I did I considered my interests and my feelings when asking asked to participate in another's plans right if I was worried about the other person in that situation I would have went but I wasn't I was more focused in what I need and I think that's the thing as well, taking this into back into a partner situation, a romantic partner, is a person that cannot understand that I, I work all week, I'm busy all week, and on Friday nights, I want to be at home, and I want to take space for that. If that person has issues with that, that's on them. So wait, are you saying you should never compromise or oh, never work with someone? No. Right. If the person says, hey, I've got tickets for a show on Friday night or, hey, I've got a dinner thing with work. I'd like, you know, I'd like you to. Right. There are things, circumstances that I would be, I would totally right. OK, maybe I don't get to sit at home this Friday night, but I'm going to make sure like I'm not going to make plans then on Saturday night. So what I hear you saying is that it doesn't have to be very specific. It doesn't have to be, I need A, B, and C. It can be, I need A, B, C, and how we get that is a we can figure out together. We can compromise on together. What if what you want and what the other person wants there's no meeting in the middle, right? What if you are committed to your values and your interests and your feelings and your partner is committed to their values and their interests and their feelings and there is absolutely no way to tie those two together? Then it's... Like, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. You just... Uh, then it's just not the right person for me. Because for me, I have fought so hard to find my own place, my own space, my own interests, my own feelings. I've, you know, it's like I, it's, I didn't know them before. So now that I found them, I'm very protective of them. And I'm not going to force, I'm not going to force something to be that, right, if I'm, you're telling me that I, we both have two different opinions on something, there is no way we are ever going to be able to mesh those together because it would be, there's certain things that I, I believe that are hard to overcome. And if you can't, one person isn't willing or can't, make an adjustment in their beliefs then okay it might be tolerable for and trust me I've been in relationships where I've made I've done this it's it works it'll work for a year it might work for two or three years it might work for five years but there will be a day 
there will be a time that it just doesn't work anymore because one of the parties is going to get tired of complying all the time. Yeah, compliance patterns are my thing. So, I mean, go ahead. It, it, it's, it's, like it's hard, right? Because there's such a fine line between being considerate and being compliant. I want to be considerate. When I love you, I want to love you unconditionally. That means that my love for you is not dependent on your behaviors. That is it, right? My love for you is not dependent on your love for me. If I love you, I love you. That's it. I love you. And There are times when I cannot compromise my values and my morals and be around you even though I love you. And there are times when maybe what you're doing doesn't quite compromise my values and morals to such an extreme amount and I could be around you. It is a very, very fine line trying to decide, am I being compliant or am I being considerate? See, I don't think there is a fine line. I think it's very clear. Because compliance is, is I think, applicable. Right? I can shape and mold myself into anything the other person wants. It's all about the other person. has nothing to do with me. Being considerate is, is me doing something I want to do for the other person. Well, so when I say being considerate, I mean like before I say something, I want to consider your feelings. I don't want to just be brutally cruel or brutally honest and cruel. I want to be lovingly honest. But, right? okay, that's, let me ask you this. You, knowing who Ashley is, is Ashley ever going to be brutally honest mean? I mean, I have been. I definitely have been. Okay, there in recovery. Definitely... <laughs> Let's Right. I, I mean, I think that being considerate is what prevents it. So I want to say no because I attempt to be considerate. So I won't be brutally honest mean. And sometimes in my attempts to be considerate, I am considering too much and becoming compliant. Because I look at like my heart is not mean and angry and hateful. My heart is loving. I am a true, I am truly a loving person, right? And I'm going to, we'll use, we'll use my situation, like the sponsor, sponsoring, right? I meet with a sponsee. I'm, I'll tell them, I'm going to call you on bullshit. I'm going to call you on bullshit. But I do it in a loving way. There's that... Okay, I'm like I just to say I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that, right? And they don't take it any wrong way because they know my heart is love. But what I go ahead. what I think I hear you saying is 
if I know I am coming from a place of love, then I know that I am being considerate because I am coming from love. Yeah. And I think the person, like I said, I am a person of love and I don't, I'm not trying, my intentions are pure. I'm not trying to hurt you. If my words are short, it's because of some something, not because I'm angry and hateful and mean, right? It's just, it, you caught me off guard. I was a little short. So I think that leads into our next, right, um, pattern here. Codependents often are hyper vigilant regarding the feelings of others and take on those feelings. And that. In recovery, sorry. Yeah. And in recovery, I can separate my feelings from the feelings of others. I allow myself to experience my feelings and others to be responsible for their feelings. All right. Codependence often, compliance. In recovery, consideration. Right. So, and that's why I said that lead into that, right? What I hear you saying is when I am, just because I say something and they think it's snarky, if I am coming from a place of love, I am not responsible for their anger or frustration with right. my perceived snark. I am responsible for knowing whether or not I was snarky and I am responsible for knowing whether or not I felt my feelings and said what I needed to say yeah I had a situation happen the was it this week or last week at work and my manager just I don't know she was just annoying me and just making some comments and whatever and I I did I snapped at her I snapped at her and I once I stepped away from it I came back and I said I know it was a little short earlier, and I apologize. That's all I said. I didn't justify it. I didn't anything. I made it nothing about her. But that was simple. I know I was short, and I'm going to apologize for it. Because I think that's part of what we have to do. Like, I got to own my shit. And when I do something that is... Right, if I'm short with someone and it comes across, like, I know if I'm being short. I know what my intentions are uh-huh. with the things that I say and do. And I can look at my situation, look at what I said or did, and I can decide if I feel as though I was, quote unquote, wrong And if I decide I was not wrong, I can allow myself to feel as though I did not do anything wrong. And I can allow the other person to feel angry or frustrated or whatever it is that they feel without me needing to change their feeling. I want to get to the accept sexual attention when they want love. Uh... We've got. Did we, is that? Yeah. Is that, that skipping, is skipping one? one? Dang. That's okay. We can do that Dang. one. Real, this okay, one really let's fast. T- I'm actually tie them together here. Okay. Okay. Um, so codependents often are afraid to express their beliefs, opinions, and feelings when they differ from those of others. And then in recovery, I respect my opinions and feelings and express them appropriately. 
Right, so that's kind of like what I was just saying. I can be, I can say something I feel like I need to say. I can make my feelings known and make my voice be heard. And the person I am talking to can take that as snarky or rude or controlling or whatever. And I can allow them to believe that it was snarky or rude or controlling and then examine, was I being controlling, snarky, or rude? No, I was not. Okay, I respect that I feel this way, and I am not being snarky or controlling, and I respect that you feel that way. You can feel like I'm being controlling, but I have said what I needed to say, and I have made myself heard in a respectful manner. Of course, we always express our feelings and opinions appropriately. Um, and then let it go. It doesn't matter if they agree. We just let it go once that's done. You know, I was going back to the story about with my manager and I apologized for being short. She's short all the time. She is downright rude to people. And I could have made it, well, I'm not going to apologize because she never does. And I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to feel bad because, right, she deserved you it. You could have, you could have taken yourself to her level. I could have, exactly. But I'm like, no, because part of this and part of what recovery is, is leading by example. I get to do things differently and I get to handle myself differently than I would have before. Because my opinions, my feelings are important and I really respect myself now. And I think that's what that in recovery is saying, is I really respect my opinions I and I can say them without the worry of how they're going to impact someone else my feelings matter it's crazy because it's crazy because what I was just thinking as as you were talking is all of these characteristics all of these patterns like the low self-esteem, the, the um, compliance, the control, the denial, they all tie together in one way, shape, or form. And as we heal one pattern, such as the denial patterns, we begin to get out of denial. Then we begin to heal the low self-esteem. Then we begin to heal the compliance and control. Then we begin to heal. Like they are all interlinked with each other. Very much so. And they are in a very specific order. Because like you said, I got to get through denial first. Oh, now I have got through the denial. Oh, shit, I have low self-esteem. Well, how is the low self-esteem affected me? Because now I'm, I'm compliant in my life. And how am I compliant in my life? And how, right? And, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's crazy. So... This next one is, I know that you are very excited to get to this one. I am, I don't know if I would say excited is the word I would use. Um, go ahead. Okay. Codependents often accept sexual attention when they want love. And in recovery, it's my sexuality is grounded in genuine intimacy and connection. When I need to feel loved, I express my heart's desire. I do not settle for sex without love. Okay, so here's why this one. I, I've been using, I've been using sex as a tool for 
as long as I can remember because I wanted love. I did not think or believe that I was worthy of love. So I accepted sexual attention um, to validate my worth. Um, so I would jump into intimate, no, I'm not even going to use the word intimate because they were not intimate relationships. They were sexual relationships because sexual sex, sex and intimacy, not the same thing. Far from it. I would jump into having sex with someone very, very quickly. And when I, once I had sex with them, they loved me. And that's where my head went. That it was, it was crazy how it was, it was such a switch. Like, oh, sex, boop, click, right? And it wasn't good sex. Had nothing to, like, it wasn't. It was literally for a tool for me to get what I wanted. And that was love. Now, I have also made poor choices of not taking, not loving myself enough to make sure my partners and I were safe, meaning, you know, having STD tests before you become intimate, getting to know someone before you become, you have sex. I want to, um, what I found in recovery was what I really want is intimacy and connection. But what I found through it with recovery is I can have intimacy and connection outside of a romantic partner. I have intimacy and connection with you. I have intimacy and connection with my friends. Nowhere do I have a romantic partner in my, in my life. And I feel like I am truly finding intimacy for the first time. Now, there's going to be a day that I want to start dating. And I want to figure that, figure that whole process out. I do know that I don't want to just have friends with benefits. I know I don't just want a hookup. I need intimacy. I'm at that point in my life. Now that I know what intimacy really is, that's what I want. It's not about the sex. Right? I love sex just like the next person. But without intimacy, without those deep, loving conversations... And some people would call it pillow talk, right? I want to have that connection with someone. And when I want to be loved, I can ask for what I need, right? For me, being heard is love. Being valued is love. Being encouraged is love. Trust is love. Safety is love. And I can ask for those things 
And when I don't find those things in a partner, I can trust that that's just not the partner for me. And I can keep moving to the to someone else instead of just wasting more time. I have wasted more time on romantic relationships in my life. And I'm not going to say I regret it because I'm so grateful for all of them because they wouldn't have gotten me where I'm at today with recovery. Mm-hmm. But I'm not ever going to settle for sex without love. So for me, it's a little bit different. What The way that I, I mean, I, yes, everything you're saying applies, right? I started using sex to find love at 14. Um, and for a very, very long time, I would have sex with somebody and use my body and my physical appearance and sex to get them to love me, right? Like if I have sex with you, you're going to love me. If I show you my body, you're going to love me. If I make you feel good physically, you're going to love me for, I did that for many Mm -hmm. years and then it turned into something else. Um, over the last probably 25 to 30 years, um, not that I'm exaggerating, over the last 20 years, over the last 20 years, um, it has turned into accepting sex when what I genuinely want is love, right? Like, everything you were describing the intimacy the connection the conversation the the just sitting and talking about nothing and everything and things that may or may not matter in six months and possible dreams and hell just sitting and looking at the stars just going for a walk and holding hands just connection right like I have spent so many years accepting sexual attention instead of demanding genuine connection. And that's changed. That's changed a lot. I I mean, For so long, I remember just like laying in bed thinking, okay, if I have sex with you, you'll be happy and you won't leave. And I would just have sex with him because that was one of my jobs, because that's what it took to get someone to stay. It was hell. It, it, it was a constant searching and a constant longing and um, there's been a couple times in my life where I have felt genuine connection with sex right sex without love has been the norm in my life and I don't necessarily think that's anybody else right I, I think I settle for it. I don't let people know what I need. And so I just take what they're willing to give because I don't, I don't demand more. 
it's a <laughs> interesting story um, with my first husband. Um, we had um, sex our second night together, second second day together, and um, <laughs> this is how messed up my understanding of sex and intimacy was. I had my first ever orgasm with him. That cemented I was I was marrying him and I was going to be with him. Because if he could do that, that meant that was it. That was that meant he was the perfect guy for me. That meant he loved you cuz he knew you. Exactly. All right. So the next one is make decisions. Codependents often make decisions without regard to the consequences. And so I'm going to go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Read the no, recovery. you're good. And in recovery, I ask my higher power for guidance and consider possible consequences before I make my decisions. So I'm going to tie this to the one before. Um, here's one example. So I mentioned something about an STD test and when I was talking. Um, that is something that I had never done. And I, I've had a, a guy ask me about it and, you know, was very adamant about it. But that's one thing for me is like that is a decision I'm, I've made now I'm going to carry with me forever because I'm not, and I'm not, and I'm, before I wouldn't have done that because I didn't want that person to think less of me. I didn't want that person to get away get away I think that's the best way to say it I didn't want that person to get away because if I could get my claws into them I could hang on for dear life right but if I ask for an STD test they might think that I'm controlling and run away exactly instead I can right have a I've had a conversation with my higher power I can ask my higher power before I even consider getting intimate with anyone because like that's what I have to do, right? I need to have a conversation with my higher power to ha have my higher power show me is this person even re the right person to get to that option? And like that isn't something that happens overnight. Like that isn't that isn't happening like for me that's going to take time. But I do know that I am not going to worry about the consequences of that question because again it goes back to if it's the right person for me this then they will have no issue with it well so let me ask you though you said you're not going to worry about the consequences that kind of is right you have considered possible consequences before making this decision if it is the right person for me then they will have no issue with it if they have an issue with it, those are both consequences. If they have an issue with it, then they're not the right person for me. I guess you're right. So yeah, that's, and I think I read, it was thinking of it wrong, but yes, like I'm living my recovery by considering the possible consequences and not worrying about the possible consequences. Well, and part of what you're doing also is the in recovery for the next one, right? So the next one is, Codependents often give up their truth to gain approval of others and avoid change. And in recovery, I stand in my truth 
and maintain my integrity, whether others approve or not, even if it means difficult changes in my life. Holy crap, Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) You just got fucked. (laughs) Jesus. Um, Okay, well, I guess we're going there, aren't we? Floor's yours. So codependents often give up their truth to gain the approval of others or to to avoid change. And in recovery, I stand in my truth and maintain my integrity, whether others approve or not, even if it means making difficult changes in my life. When I first started reading this just now, what I was going to say is what you are doing with your STD test is standing in your truth and maintaining your integrity period whether others approve or not even if it means they walk away right that's the in recovery side of that and as I was reading this what I realized is I am doing that myself today so my truth for today is that I will not be with someone who is living in active alcoholism And there are others who see that truth as an ultimatum and see that truth as control. So whether or not me standing in my truth means difficult changes in my life, whether or not me maintaining that I will not live with someone in active alcoholism means that I am controlling, in your opinion, their opinion, his opinion, her opinion, it it just doesn't matter anymore. I was actually considering giving up that truth because I wanted approval. I was literally, before we started reading, recording this podcast, I was actually sitting here considering whether or not, by making that statement, when directly asked, I was being controlling. And the fact that I just read this, and it obviously slapped me across the head, tells me that in order to maintain my integrity, I need to stand in my truth. It doesn't matter what someone else's opinion of that is. It doesn't matter if my truth hurt someone else's feelings that's not my goal I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings I don't want to control anyone I don't want to be manipulating and my truth is that I will not live with someone who is drinking I don't care if it's my dad I don't care if it's my mom I don't care if it's Nick I don't care if it's my stepdad. I can love you more than anything. And you could be on your deathbed needing someone to care for you. I will not live with someone who is an active alcoholism or addiction. That is not in my best interest. That is not me being committed to my safety. 
and I have the right to say that even if you were dying and drinking, I would not allow you to live here. Um, I think that's it for today. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, um, I hope that the listeners got as much out of these patterns as I did today. Um, and I know I, I have said this every single time we have gone over these patterns in our meetings and with each other and I, every single time I go over them it's like peeling another layer of the onion um, it stings a little bit more my eyes burn and they water up a little bit more each and every layer that we go and it's one more layer you know mm-hmm. the one thing I'm going to say is and I've learned Right, we're doing this recovery the way it works out. We are being given what HP knows, higher power knows we need at that time. We're going through these recovery patterns for a reason. What the chances of it being right now? Nah, no chances to that. Yeah, there's exactly no coincidence. Not at all. And so I think one of the things I have found when something, there's no more of, like, I mean, well, that's a coincidence. No. No, things happen for a reason. My higher power is Where's working the lesson? in me. Yep. Exactly. Where's the lesson? Yep. Where's the growth? Where's the reason? That's, everything happens for a reason, for sure. It does. So next week, <laughs> We're going to be talking control patterns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Don't you just love it? I do love it. It's so much. It's so good. It's so good. Um, we're, control. We're going to have to split them up. I'm so sorry. We keep doing that tonight, um, today. We're going to have okay. to split these up probably into two weeks, maybe even three, because there are so many of them. Yeah. And I have a lot of personal examples of control. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so next week, control patterns, and thank you, Ashley, for doing this with me, and listeners for coming along on our ride, and yeah, have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.